We are thrilled and moved by the response to the podcast. We love reaching actors all over the world, actors like you, who tell us that our podcast inspires them, informs them, and makes them excited and proud to be an actor. Yeah, but make no mistake, an acting career is won by being in the consistent practice of the work, week after week, month after month, year after year. Success for an actor is in the doing. So here at the BGB studio, we offer the highest quality acting training for passionate, committed, talented, and ambitious actors. We see that kind of work transform talent into successful careers, and that makes us so happy. There is no substitute for doing the work consistently, and we offer the work of success. We are the home of your 10,000 hours. We offer ongoing and eight-week on-camera auditions, scene study, and workout classes. They're available now. So sign up now to secure your spot and get to work. Go to bramangarciabron.com classes or click the link for classes in the podcast show notes. We'll see you in class. You want to book as much acting work as you can, as often as you can. We get that. The thing is, you don't book acting work by focusing on booking acting work. The industry is more dynamic than that. The art is more interesting than that. By taking you inside the craft, the casting room, and the business, and bringing other industry experts into the conversation, we dig in. We pull back the curtain of the industry and show you how much power you really have as an artist. And by bringing your humanity to the work and the industry, you become an artistic leader the kind of actor who books work. Even after decades of working with actors all over the world, in our classes at the BGB studio, teaching, coaching, casting, directing, producing, acting, on set, on stage, behind the camera and in front, nothing excites us more than seeing you express your unique artistic voice, humanize the business, and book work doing it. We're here on the podcast and in class at the BGB studio to give you all the tools you need to be a championship level working actor right now in an industry that desperately needs your voice and your leadership. Yeah, industry and artistry. This is the only place you're going to hear this. I'm Risa. And I'm Steve. And this is the Acting Podcast from the BGB Studio. Nothing makes me happier than creating space for and facilitating a path for actors to find their voices as filmmakers, as writers, directors, producers, cinematographers, editors, etc., etc. As Steve and I started BGB, we brought our love of the process of creating from theater, film, and television into the work we do in class. And out of that, we have nurtured the fullest expression of each artist's unique voice, as well as the practice of artistic leadership. And there's a lot more about that in most of our other podcast episodes, so go check those out. In and out of class, we all make films together, and we continue to watch BGB actors take the reins in their work and collaborate together to make films and shows and plays. It's been incredible to witness and to be a part of. I sat down with four actors turned writer, producer, director, who have worked with me in class and have evolved over the past few years as serious contenders in our business. Caroline Lindy, Dominic Burgess, Jonathan McLean, and Ellen Jamison are the real deal. They are working TV professionals and filmmakers, and that's because they have done the work of making work. They've written and directed and produced short films, feature films, television shows, and realized their voices in ways they never imagined possible. They did it by doing it. They do it by doing it. 
They also value collaboration and partnership in this process because we are mostly not meant to do this alone. And out of these collaborations, actual work has sprung. And here, they each also share how trusting their heart and gut have guided their talent. And the work has flowed. And this, to me, is everything. So listen to this conversation we had together in person here at BGB, which was also a beautiful reunion for the five of us. I know it'll resonate with you as it did with me. And, and, and my hope for you is the same as it was and it is for these four amazing artists. Do what you love. Find more of what you love. Create from what you love. Realize the potential of your unique creative voice in acting and beyond and love it all. Oh, and after we finished recording the podcast, Caroline, Dom, Jonathan, and Ellen each shared some incredible news about the projects they're working on that are in the works that they can't talk about because the final contracts aren't signed. But there is a finance feature film, a deal to write a feature, a directing gig on an upcoming major miniseries, and several more scripts and films in the works, as it should be. And it is so friggin' exciting. Oh, and if you hear some table banging, it's just us getting excited in our conversation. Okay, so here we go. Caroline, Dominic, Ellen, and Jonathan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Acting Podcast. I'm really excited about this group of people who I care about so much and have not seen in a long time. And we're here together. I'm going to get emotional um, at the studio. So welcome. I'm going to introduce each of you separately, but also right now just go around the room and have you introduce yourselves. Uh, so this is a group of people who I came to know through class here at the studio. We had a very special, and it still goes on, ensemble called In Rehearsal on Saturday mornings. And um, I just thought it'd be a great idea for us to come together and just talk about your journeys and your challenges and what's happening right now. And our audience is actors. So what they all can learn from everything you've been going through and are still going through. Um, and how you be artists. So, um, start with you, Ellen. Um, I'm Ellen Jameson. I'm an actor and a producer and a photographer, even though that's not really relevant to this conversation. <laughs> it's all relevant. Okay, good. Yes, it's all relevant. Yes, that's me. Okay. Uh, hello, uh, I'm Dominic Burgess. Uh, I'm an actor and a writer and director. Uh, and my journey involves... O-1 visas and green cards and citizenship and all kinds of ups and downs and fun stuff. Yeah, we'll get into that. Jonathan? Yeah, I'm Jonathan McLean, and um, I act and I write. I'm an international best-selling romance novelist. <laughs> My favorite thing. Fucking weird but true. Um, yeah, and, uh, and, and I love everybody at this table. Mm -hmm. it's true I do I love you guys okay. I'm my name is Caroline Lindy and um, I used to act I'm not really acting anymore I'm primarily writing and directing and that's yeah. me good want to know about that um, all right well as you're talking let's I and, and anybody can go first and you have such distinct voices so I think our audience will be able to identify who's talking um, 
you started talking about who you are and what you do. Can you go a little further, anybody, into that? Like, what does that mean to you if you say, I'm an actor or I was an actor, and I'm also a filmmaker or a writer and a romance novelist and international best-selling, sorry, romance novelist. Thank you. But, but <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. But, like, talk a little bit more about what that is and how that morphed or changed when you started off saying, hey, you know what, I'm an actor, and then other things started to happen. And what was that like? And again, it doesn't have to be one person talking for, you know, in order. Just what is that, what was that journey like and the, the shifts and morphs like? And, and how did that come about? I feel like I have struggled. <laughs> and um, becoming a producer is something that just kind of came out of necessity of keeping the dream alive. And, um, and photography as well. I started taking photos because I felt so out of control not being able to get auditions and needing to make art and and coming out of um, a conservatory background there was no limitation on the amount of plays and you know opportunities to act and perform and then I moved to LA and was like oh my gosh how do I get this out of my body and um so I started taking photos and then when the jobs weren't coming in then I started working with friends on producing stuff that I could be in and um, you know, acting is always going to be my first love, but producing and being a part of making projects with my friends has also showed me that maybe I also wanted to be on this end the entire time as well. And I just grew up at a time where I couldn't name one female director or not a single woman would get on stage to accept a producer award, you know, at the Oscars. And so I don't think, you know, that representation matters because if you don't see it you don't know that you can mm. can do it and um being a woman on the other side of the camera was not something that i ever saw and i you know caroline um and i've had these kinds of conversations before about this mm -hmm. and how has that shifted your perspective as an actor or as somebody in the industry or somebody in in, in grasping control and getting it out how does how does that work now for you what does that satisfy? I just, I, I, I think I just really love movies and I really have just always loved plays and I just love um, art. I always have and I just always want to be part of it in any way and being a producer just allows me to be a part of it in a bigger way than even an actor sometimes does. And, um, and then getting to be more in control of the kind of parts that I play is also enormous um and it's allowed me to figure out more and more what i want to do and what kind of roles i'm right for Does that's that interesting yeah 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 because you've produced things that you've been in yes yeah 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 mm -hmm. i mean i would like to produce things that i'm not in um but i think it's all i've always been a late bloomer <laughs> <laughs> i've always been a late bloomer and i think um i see my future more and more uh in a way where I am working in a lot of different kinds of capacities behind the camera. And um, it's just going to take some time to kind of figure out what that looks like and what my voice is in that capacity. It's very yeah. new, I think. Mm. But um, exciting. But so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so yeah. thrilled about it. I mean, I just love this. I love this medium and, um, I made a choice, I feel like, during the pandemic to just commit to being a part of this medium and, and not um, 
constantly just thinking maybe I should back out because it's not happening the way that I thought it was going to. Yeah. Yeah, the pandemic changed a lot for everybody, so. Yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of this um, point of no return for me of like, mm-hmm. okay, are we, are we going to do this? Are we going to like move forward in this capacity, at, you know, whatever cost it takes? And it's, the answer was yes, because wow. it's my love. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, the, so the question was the transition yeah. from acting to... Well, for you, you said you said earlier that you're not acting right now, you're doing other things. So what was that moment where that shifted and what is that like now and do you miss it and are you, what, are you happy doing what you're doing and what is it that you're doing? Well, I am, I think it was, acting is uh, a wonderful art form and I think it's not, it, you have to be very brave to do it. You have to be incredibly vulnerable to do it, but constantly put yourself out there again and again and again. And then not only are you vulnerable all the way to the job, but then you get the job and the job is to be vulnerable. And it's a lot of vulnerability all around that over the course of, you know, six years, seven years doing it, I realize I'm, I don't know if this brings me joy, the, the process of starting out being vulnerable and then getting the job and being vulnerable it, in that specific way. I didn't, it didn't feel like a match for me. Hmm. And so I kind of, when I was acting, I, I, I felt this way, I felt kind of depressed a lot of the time and I didn't know why. And I think it was because I was, I was pushing myself to perform in a way that wasn't totally comfortable for me in a way when I see other friends who are actors they like they like doing it they like living inhabiting that space it feels freeing and it's a challenge for them and they accept the challenges and I always just felt like I'm exhausted by this it's depressing me it doesn't feel good it's not filling me with energy in life and so I knew there was something wrong you know when I was pursuing it but I didn't I I it didn't occur to me that that maybe it wasn't what I wanted to pursue until I applied for this grant like four years ago to write and direct a short film through Women in Film. And that was I got four years ago. I think it was like three, or maybe it was three years ago. Yeah, that, yes, three years ago. Three years. Two years. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. Three years. Two years. And so a couple years ago, I'll just say. And then when I got that grant and I did the and I did my and I did the short film, I I it was the first time I was like this feels so good. I'm so excited. I feel like I'll accept any challenge that comes my way. And I just felt happy. I felt like this was right. I felt energized. I just felt like it fit so much more than acting had ever fit for me. And so then I knew that. And then when I started to do it more, I I didn't miss acting. So then I it was like, okay, I think that I I'm on my path. I found my path. And um yeah, don't do something that makes you feel depressed, you know, 80% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you're probably doing the wrong. Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, it, that's your choice. If you if you like the that's the artist's journey, you know, that's totally fine. People that's very normal for people to feel depressed, but I didn't feel I didn't feel inspired anymore, and that was really the issue. And then I found writing, directing, and I felt 
it was it's the hard it's a very hard job but I felt like like I'm ready to go let's like I'm ready to take this on um and then it you know with that this new joie de vivre does that work mm-hmm. I, I I mean think doors started opening and I started directing commercials and then I started working with friends and the the films that I made you know were getting to festivals and started making a living writing and directing. Now other things are, bigger projects are coming and everything feels like it worked out the way it should because I kind of really listened to my gut. And it was like, is acting really the, the thing that works for you, the way you can express yourself? Mm. Or is it something else? And for me, it was directing and writing. And so, I don't know. Did I say, did I speak okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I think we're just looking at you because it's like watching, observing that transformation is, it's awesome. It's really, it's, it, talk about brave. I mean, that's, it's amazing. It was, I'm, I mean, it, I'm so happy that I figured it out because acting is so fun. Yeah. It's so wonderful. It's the best thing in the world. And, I've not like I, I didn't have the best time in in class with you or whenever I got an acting job or in a play. You know, it's so much fun to to inhabit a different character, but you really you got to be ready to show up and bear your heart on the line. And like I don't I don't really want to do that in front of 100 people. Mm-hmm. I'm not prepared to do that. And I it's like when I see someone else who's like put me in their coach like I'm ready to have a nervous breakdown in front of a whole set of people, then I'm like, that person is ready to do the job, not the person who's having a panic attack because they want to hide in a room. And that's how I felt. Mm. I'm like, this is not right. <laughs> yeah. Something needs to change. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, and I think some of the lesson in that is is paying attention to your heart and your gut and let, letting that guide you. Because you get on this path and you think, this is what I'm supposed to do. And if I get off of it, then I'm failing, mm-hmm. right? And so you just keep driving forward blindly, mm-hmm. aggressively, anxiously, yes. miserably sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's because it's so fun, the pursuit of it. It's like, oh my God, maybe if I just get this role and become a movie star, everything's mm-hmm. going to be great. And it's like, do you even want that? Because once you're a movie star and someone says, here's $10 million to do this role, right. where you're playing someone who is a maniac, you, that's <laughs> six months of your life where you're every single day working on being a maniac, yeah. every single day. And are you up to that job task? No, I am not. I do not want to do that. But you want to facilitate? I want to facilitate. Yeah. I want to hold the hand of the <laughs> oh actor yeah. as they're... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You want, to, you want to write the maniac role so that yeah. Ellen can walk in and be the maniac. Exactly. I'm just laughing at your word choice of maniac. Like, that's so cute. Oh. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. Um, fellas? Mm-hmm. Hello. Um, for, for me, uh, I... I started acting, I guess, professionally in 2004. I came out of drama school, and um, at that time, I just I felt very desperate in everything that I was doing because I was very, very fortunate if I was getting an audition maybe once every three or four months, and then when those auditions for that McDonald's commercial come along and you put all this pressure on yourself, and, and then 
nothing for another three or four months. And Were you in England? Or I was in England. England. Yeah, I was in London. And I feel like back then there was a very different mentality to staying in your lane, you know, that you're just an actor. You No, no, you don't direct, you don't write, you're just, you're an actor. Um, and the art should sustain you and you should be happy working in a black box theatre in the Isles of Shetland for five pounds a night and that should sustain your career because it's about the art. Um, and even when I said I wanted to come to America, you know, just the, I don't know, just even my agents at the time were like, oh, you're going to go to America, you're going to go be a star. All right, we'll see you in three months, love. And just, <laughs> this, just this mentality was so odd to me. And then when I, I came to America, it was the writer's strike at the end of 2007, 2008. Um, so there was nothing really going on, but casting directors were holding a whole bunch of general meetings because they had nothing to, to cast. And I met more people in three weeks of being in LA than I had done in three years of working in London. Um, and then I feel like I wasn't aware of it at the time. I was going through, you know, an, an improv school and while we were waiting for the levels to come along and you had to wait for 12 months for the next level, a group of us friends, you know, just got together and we're like, well, let's make our own little sketch and improv group. And then we would rent out a theater once a month and we would write and do sketches and the money that we made, we would put into renting out the theater for the next month. And, and so I guess we were creating without really knowing that it was just for the love of it without knowing that it was like, yeah, this is what we're going to use to, to leapfrog onto that next thing. And that next thing, and that next thing, it was just, friends having fun and doing what we loved and creating um and then I I knew I wanted to do bigger things and I, I had ideas for things I just didn't have the tools to you know how to structure a three-act play or a three-act film or or I didn't know what an inciting incident was I didn't know what the hero's journey was and I, I didn't know any of this stuff but once all those chips fell into place and I was like oh Oh, okay, here we go. Um, and then, you know, that feeling of desperation, I feel, went away. That that little actor who was like, pick me, pick me. I haven't had an audition in so long. Because then I was filling my days with writing and storyboarding and collaborating. And then acting didn't feel as important anymore. Not that I, I mean, I love it. And it's, like Alan said, it will always be my first true love um but i had other things to fill my day with that then the the desperation went away and then i had an ease in audition rooms that i'd never had before because i had a life outside of wanting someone to to pick me or being the right person for or you know uh -huh. so yeah that's where i'm at now and now right now what's the thing that's the most exciting for, um, for you what is the thing that fills you up the most I mean acting still fills me I still love it so so much but now there are other things on the horizon and plates spinning that are terrifying but 
exciting at the same time, much like Caroline said, you know, I, I did this short film that then opened so many doors and through going through those doors, other doors have opened and now uh, wonderful, magical things are happening through creating with, with friends and putting something together, you know, and producing and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, it's changed everything for me and I'm scared about you know there are things on the horizon like uh, I don't know if I can do that but I can yeah yeah like literally yeah. I had a nervous breakdown in the car to Alan before coming in here about being scared about the future <laughs> classic but I like that I like that feeling of uh, you know it's the same feeling I had before I went to drama school or the same feeling I had before I was like oh I want to go to America and the same I, th- I think you leap and, I don't know, you learn, you leap and you learn. Yeah. Either it's successful or it's not, but you learn and then, you know, for... And, and you work with people you can rely on because mm-hmm. nobody does this alone. It's the biggest collaborative art. And if you have people you can really trust and rely on, then you, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And if you, again, trust your gut. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. McLean. Yeah. <laughs> What? what? <laughs> um, How did you get here to this very moment? Um, it's so interesting listening to listening to everybody. And I, I know everyone here so well, and I sort of know broad brushstrokes, but just sort of hearing it articulated is, is really interesting, the ways in which it is different, and ways in which it is similar, and all of us share certain, I think, things. You know, look, I, so as the old man at the table, I, 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 you know, I'm turning 52 this year, and... Um, I've been doing so I've been doing this since 1991 the first time I got paid to act was in 1991 um and interesting something that Dom was just saying a little bit I I reached a point and Alan was saying too I reached a point actually pretty early on where I realized oh the roles that I would like to play the things that I think would be interesting and the most gratifying I'm probably not going to get cast in um, the, 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 the work that I was, I was living in Chicago and I was doing theater and actually, you know, look, Chicago is a pretty gritty town and you can do some cool and interesting stuff. And I was doing cool and interesting stuff, but there was still just, it felt like I wasn't getting to wrap my mouth around the kinds of things I really, really wanted to. So I wrote a one person show. Um, funnily enough, I, I based it kind of loosely on the inspiration I'd drawn from seeing Eric Bogosian and I worked with Eric a few years later and I told him that and he was like, well, it's not my fault. Um, I was like, no, no, it was a good thing. This was a theater piece. This was a theater piece. It was yeah. a one-person show, and um, and and so how I got here is starts there because unexpectedly, I did it in the basement of a restaurant in Chicago, but a Chicago paper, the Chicago Reader, came to see it, um, and for whatever reason, and I didn't get it. I was so young at the time when he said, "I'd like to take you out to dinner after the show and talk to you a little bit about this piece." I was like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." I did not know that that meant that when the paper came out the next week, it was going to be like a seven-column spread with a giant picture of me saying things like, theater needs Jonathan McClain the way that blah, 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 not since David Mamet has yada, yada, like that kind of shit. And I was like, oh, he liked it, great. Um, and, and so that was a 
talk about zero expectations, what Dom was saying, you know, that I, I wanted to write this thing because I wanted a chance to play and do the things that I wanted to do. The level of integrity and sincerity and honesty inside of what I put into that was, was utterly authentic and I had no attachment to anything resembling an outcome or what might happen next or whatever. And, you know, that's, the, look, I'd like to think that I possess a certain skill set and a level of talent that makes it possible. So let's assume that everyone in this conversation has that working. So what's the difference between succeeding and not succeeding with those skills and with that level of, of talent that one possesses? It is the way that the approach is made. And for me, that approach in that time in life was purely for the joy of doing it, the authenticity of doing it. I, you, Reese and I have talked about this. There's this great Alan Watts quote that I live on, which is, if you do a thing for an outcome in the future, you are not doing it. And that has kind of guided my life. And I can, I can take that, I, then the show, long story short, the show transferred to New York. And it, in New York, I had a ton of expectations about what was gonna happen next. And those did not come to pass. And I'm reasonably confident that part of it is because of the fact that I was trying to control and manipulate those expectations into being. And that was not my choice to make. So I kicked around in New York for a few years and then, talk about late bloomer, hmm. at 33, I booked my first pilot out of New York. And by the time I got on the plane back to New York, I was doing a play, I was doing an off-Broadway show, flew out, tested, flew back to New York. By the time the plane landed, they had rescinded the offer because they thought I looked too young. Mm -hmm. So that fall, I got on a plane to come out to LA because I was like, what the fuck kind of business are you people running out there? So I came out. Again, just this is the next example of how things go when you're not looking for it. Because I was like, I'm just going to go out and see what the hell LA is all about because that seems insane. And, um, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. Booked a pilot in a week. Booked a pilot in a week. Pilot didn't go. Booked a, booked, a, booked a thing that was already picked up to series. Booked two series regulars within like a month of a landing in LA. Because I had absolutely no concept that that was possible. I came out here just to see what was going to happen. And I would walk into every room like, hey, how's it going? Bop it up it up. I'm a floppy 33 year old who looks 22. And you know, do you like me? And uh, no, fine, see ya. And everyone was like, oh my God, he's so charming. In fact, one of the casting directors I remember was like, is that real? Called my agent was like, is that real? Is he really that confident? And, he's, and he told me that and I was like, I don't think I'm confident. I think I'm just oblivious. And it was that obliviousness coupled with the fact that I was working really hard and I was really just trying to do the best work I could. I remember calling my agent after one of the auditions, the, the pilot I booked, and saying, well, look, I don't know if I'm gonna get this, but I think those people like me and I'll probably work with them someday. And that's good enough for me. Yay, right? Forgot about it, went to lunch, didn't think about it for another moment. And then after getting a pilot and a series and hearing a lot of things and being a golden boy for a minute and buying a lot of really expensive shit that I had to figure out a way to keep paying for, things changed pretty dramatically. And I did not work for like five years. I mean, not, oh, I didn't, you know, kind of did this, did, no, 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 didn't work for like five years. Um, and then I was the lead on a TV series for two seasons and my life, well, and everything's fine. And then that went away, got canceled. And then I didn't work for 18 months. 
And that was when I found you, Eurisa. I reached out, I don't know if you remember this, I reached out to you and I was like, hi, I see you do career counseling at your studio and um, I need to figure out what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. So could you, and you said, come to this class, this in rehearsal. And I was like, no, but I'm asking for guidance. And you said, that's what I'm giving you. And I came and I met people. I met the people here at this table. I met other people. I met a group. I met a community of people, all of whom could understand what I was feeling could uh, commiserate, could lend voice, all that stuff. I found, and, I'm, and, and by the way, and I'm a, I'm a lucky, like I've got a wonderful wife, I've been married a long time, everything, like I've got a nice stability there, but finding a community of people who do what you do and understand what that struggle is, is invaluable in a way that I think is inestimable. And from there things, really turned around pretty dramatically and you know I'd written a one-person show to start my career coming to meet you and coming to class with you we started doing writing exercises and I was like oh right I do this too let me see what that's like and I wrote some stuff and did it and then I had an idea and then I pitched a show and the, the way I became an international best-selling romance novelist is um, I was actually I'd narrate audiobooks too right and I narrated an audiobook by this New York Times best-selling romance novelist and I thought it could be a series and I developed it into a pitch and I sold the pitch and she said, I really like the way that you write and adapted my material. Do you want to write romance novels with me? And I said, no. And she said, let me, let me reframe the, the pitch. It's called Julie and Jonathan build a money machine. And I said, oh, say more. Um, <laughs> she's like, you'll be the only dude writing romance. Um, do you want it? And so I wrote eight books with her and they're international and three of them have now been optioned for movies. And I just happened to have a best friend who was an Academy Award winning screenwriter and I swear to God, and I don't know if he's going to listen to this and I don't know if this is true or not, but my friend Graham, who I wrote, the, I have a movie out right now uh, called The Outfit. It's streaming on Peacock at the moment and apparently it's on planes because everyone's sending me screenshots of it on the planes at the moment. But um, uh, starring Mark Rylance, who's like my favorite actor, like all this amazing stuff happened. And I think it happened because I, I'm a USA Today best-selling romance novelist, but that's like, oh, you write books and they do well. And I don't, I can't verify this, but I think that my friend who's a successful writer saw that I was writing things and, and was succeeding at the writing game. And I said, I have this idea for a movie. And he said, well, let's write it together. And we did, and it got made. And now I am a screenwriter and executive producer of major motion pictures. And it happened entirely because I was following the path that was put in front of me without a tremendous amount of judgment around it. Which, by the way, I'm a judgy motherfucker. That is not easy for me. Let's be clear, I'm not pontificating here. This is me saying, if I can do this, anyone can. Remove the judgment, remove the ego. Stay in, in the process of the now. Because as Dom and Caroline were saying, the future feels scary, but you know what? The future is literally your imagination. It doesn't, it le look, I don't know, I don't understand fifth dimension shit like quantum physics, but I know that in the third dimension, the future is your imagination and the past is just like you woke up from a dream. None of it exists. Not even the end of this sentence exists until I get to it, right? So staying in the, all right, romance novels are in front of me now, I'm gonna do that and then seeing where those opportunities take me. I miss acting at the moment, I do, um, because I do love it. Uh, but I will say this, and I don't know if, if any of you guys feel this way too, 
this goes back to the reason I wrote the one person show. I woke up, I'm working on a new script right now that I owe and uh, I was writing it this morning. And I love what's happening in it. And I'm writing roles that I will never get to play, right? That I would never get to play. That I would not be cast in, that I'm not castable for. But I still get to have the experience of engaging with those ideas and those thoughts and those characters because I am creating them. And that narrative voice is mine. And it is in some ways the truest expression of what it is that I want to convey to the world through my art as opposed to, you know, being on a fucking sitcom. Which, thank you, I have a house. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not ungrateful, but it is not the same as putting my true voice into the world. Mm. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Mm. And then you called and said, come do this podcast, and that's how I got here. <laughs> I love that. I love that notion. What is that, how does that resonate for the rest of you about this being a true way to put your voice out into the world? Aside from not waiting for the phone to ring and someone to tell you you're an actor or you're an artist or you have a creative voice. But what is that for each of you, you know, the truest expression of your, of your voice that isn't an interpretation of somebody else's or um, even collaboration. Like I know you guys just did, Ellen and Caroline, you did this film together. What was that process in creating that together and, and, and what was that experience of having your voices come together? Um, well, I think we were, this is talk about things just going with the flow. Mm -hmm. That was a very organic moment that came out of being stuck in our apartments during COVID, both going through breakups. Living together. Living together. <laughs> I said I was hysterically crying. I would just, so I went through this breakup and I was hysterically, hysterically crying to my therapist. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm so upset. And she was like, well, what, what can, what have you done in the past that has made you feel good? I was like, well, I really, you know, whenever I make something, whenever I shoot a project, I usually feel really good. She's like, okay, there you go. Maybe you should make something. <laughs> and so I, I, I was just thinking, and I was reading, and then somehow I saw slut, and I, then I saw aspirational. I was like, aspirational slut, aspirational slut. This is like a really good idea for a short. And, and, and I was, you know, dating at the time. It, it was safe dating, safe COVID dating. And, you know, Ellen was going through the same kind of thing. So we just started talking about it. And I was like, this, maybe it'd be really fun and cathartic to make a short right now. And Ellen. About this experience. About this experience. Of opening ourselves up for the first time in a really long time. Yeah. Because we were both getting out of very long-term relationships. And it just, it was so, and then it was just felt so natural to write. The whole thing happened so fast. Really fast. Really fast. Really it fast. came, it just came out and then we we figured it out. Ellen starred in it. I wrote and directed it. She produced it. We gathered our friends and we shot it so quickly. How, how, how long did it take to make Two days. Two days, but I mean, it was like really? the whole, the whole thing was like a month. Yeah. I mean, it feels Wait, start like. To, start to finish it was yeah. a month. For the, the beginning. I think so. Yeah, wow. it was really fast. It was so fast. We were like rewriting entire scenes of dialogue the night before at, you know, 12 p.m. Really? Yeah. 12 a.m., I mean. Yeah. It was very, It like, was so. Ram jam. It was so <laughs> fast. And 
I emailed every guy. So, well, not every, but all my, I wanted comedians, like every male comedian I, I knew. And I was like, would you be naked in my movie for me? <laughs> and they were like, you're not allowed to ask me that. And I was like, like you have I, no lines, but please be, I, <laughs> please be naked. I am a woman, female director, and I'm allowed to ask you this. And no, they, <laughs> that's not true. I'm just kidding. Um, but it was, it was for the film. It I was mean, for, you needed it. Yeah. It wasn't like you were. Oh, like, no, we needed it. Yeah, yeah. 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 The it. it just, but it came, it, it, I think what it, it came out of such a real authentic place and we did it because it felt like we, we needed to tell the story and it was, and it was so easy and it's so effortless. It's not, it's not easy to make a film. Obviously it was very challenging, but it, the whole thing just came out. And so, oh, yeah. And then now, you know, and then it, and then it won the audience award at South by Southwest, mm-hmm. which is, you know, so big for both of us. And it was mm-hmm. such a wonderful moment for both of us, you know, taking this, this moment of pain when we were so scared about the future and turning into something creative and collaborative and then being rewarded for that was just mm-hmm. like the most wonderful trajectory for something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's usually that's what I want for every project I do, you know, where you, you, you take, comes out of this awful place and then you turn into something beautiful and people, you know, are respond to it positively. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, that feels like a very authentic, um, or that's, that really felt like my voice and your voice mm-hmm. into something, you know, acting, producing, writing, directing. It was like all hands on deck, totally, which was really lovely. Your turn to speak. No, I mean, I just think, I, why were we talking? I just was thinking about like even being on set that there was like a shorthand that we didn't really have to talk about it very much because we just were living it, you know, and like all the more emotional moments in it were just very like unspoken and just, like we just, we both could see it in our heads because, and just do it because it was there, which was a very unique situation I feel like mm-hmm. and that's why it was able to happen so fast is because it was just hap- it was it was happening already it was it was done it was written it was so easy to be creative in that moment yeah. it was you know it's like let's make let's make a rom-com about a slut but let's make it like a Quentin Tarantino film and shoot it like Kill Bill yeah. you know it's like <laughs> and we were just like goofing around and it all came out and then it was fucking awesome yeah and we believed in the message of it really hardcore. Yeah, yeah now it's going to be a feature film. Yeah? yeah. No. no, not officially. <laughs> it should be. We want it to be. Yeah. That's great. Just yeah. putting it out there it to so the much. world. It's going to be a feature film. <laughs> but, I, but it's but you you made this thing out of necessity, really, mm-hmm. and yeah. and out of that's exactly what art should be. It's you take your pain, your experience, all of that, and you turn it into something um, creative, something funny, something powerful, something meaningful, something important. And it's what you want to see. It was like, yeah. what do we want to see? Exactly. You know, and Caroline's always very clear in that. It's like, I want to see a rom-com. I haven't seen a good rom-com in forever. I want to see a good rom-com that's fun, that's sexy, that's cool, that's like feels like me, it feels like my world and my friends and the things that I care about and the things that I'm thinking about. And so to kind of like make something that you, and that that's what I want to see. That was the I played a character that like I would want to see, and um, I, I think like coming from that place too, and not like oh what should I make and like what's going to be interesting, what's going to be cool, and what's going to get me recognition, but just like 
what am I dying to watch? Mm. But uh, something that I think that I feel strongly about as moving into writing and directing more than acting, I obviously have such a respect for actors and because I d- I've done it. So when we were doing Aspirational Slut together, you know, it's, it's so important that not only are Ellie and I friends, but she is the captain of her acting ship, you know? So we're both putting our heads together and saying, what are, what are your ideas and what are my ideas? And really being partners on it. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to, you know, I'm the director. This is what you have to, like, you do as I say. You know, she was, you know, Ellie was leading a lot of this. Like, this doesn't work for me. This is what I want to do. You know, we were really both working together. And that that was cool. because So special. I think that's the dynamic I want to ha- always have as a director, where it's really all hands on deck. And everyone has a really strong voice in the room. That's true collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. There's, e- there's no, no ego in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's amazing. So nice. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a you know it's a really fun film, and it's also got guts, you know, and heart, and it's risky and lovely and funny and dark and all the good stuff. But I love how that came together. I mean, that's in the spirit of this, you know, being in that flow and trusting that, and and and, and it's hard for us too because we think, oh, it's all supposed to be really hard and kind of magical in a in a way that we don't understand. But then here, just you come to trust. What, what's coming out of you and that's the heart of it all you know there's no like formulaic should be d- done this way you know right it was, what 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 is your flow what is your inspiration because you've got such a specific amazing voice um i i get frustrated when uh people tell me that i can't do something um so when when I wrote Sam did it, there were people saying like, oh well, you'll you'll never be able to do that. You're never going to be able to get you know a celebrity to play that. Much like you were looking for someone to be naked, it was like, well, no celebrity is just going to come one day for a short film to lie naked on a slab of a morgue table and not have lines. Um, and when people tell me that I can't do something, it's like a a red rag to a bull. Um, <laughs> and then I I just I like I like writing what I want to write and you know you go on writing forums or you hear people say that you have to pick a lane when you're writing and that you have to if you're going to write drama write drama if you're going to write comedy and I I don't subscribe to I write now what brings me joy and again what you were saying like what I want to see um so I'll flip between genres and I'll mash things that shouldn't work together maybe they don't work together we'll find out when they're on screen um but yeah, I, I don't have a a process. Like I do what feels easy to me. I don't I'm not good at sitting down from nine to five and writing. I, you know, will think about things that I want to do and then sometimes I'll write from ten at night till three in the morning and sometimes I'll write for two hours in the morning. Like just whenever it takes me, because then that's still bringing me joy rather than sitting down and forcing myself to do something and forcing myself to come up with a contrived plot and um, and then things have fallen into place from that. Uh, Sam came out and then, you know, these doors opened and people saw it and 
just being open to everything that that came my way and i'm like we said i'm scared but the the meetings that have come from it you know the ones that make me feel uh, are making my heart flutter the ones that i have a genuine connection with the ones that are like you collect physical media me too let's talk about this and i miss director's commentaries and i miss deleted scenes because i learned so much about what's missing from the process and i like the behind the scenes um and then you have a a connection and everything does start to feel easy and you do start to, to, to collaborate and you find these you know these people that you love working with um and then as caroline was saying as an actor you know when you're a guest director and you're going from show to show to show sometimes i feel like the new kid at school when you get to set and you have to read the room and you kind of get the vibe in the makeup chair about what kind of set it is and if people are happy and if this is the set where you just sit in the corner and you say nothing and it just turns out to be a job and you're there and you you do your best and you go home and then there are others where good ideas come from everywhere and they're like you play and collaborate and be like do what you want to do try it yeah let's play and explore um yeah i feel like that experience has shown me that the kind of director that i want to be and informs how i want to run something i've been struggling with since writing more and directing and developing stuff is then being on set where you are in quotes just an actor and then having a really hard time looking at the call sheet and being like oh that's an interesting way to to shoot this interesting (laughs) oh uh i wonder why they're flipping the world and then flipping the world and then instead of shooting out that direction and i wonder why they called that actor in at 8 a.m instead (laughs) of saving them for the end of the day and then and like take having a real hard time taking off the producer hat and just being <laughs> an actor instead of, you know, analyzing everything in the moment, I think. But it's a, great to have that perspective, though. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. I feel like I've become over-analytical mm-hmm. uh, on, just because now my eyes open to, to production yeah. Oh, yeah. and being like, oh, yeah, I guess, uh, well, if I was making this, I would have shot out that location in those two days instead of coming back for, like, four consecutive days of shooting those scenes. That's fine. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I got that. I got that. I gotta say, queuing off of that, when I got back from London last summer doing post on the film, I actually got asked to go do a week on a, a, to do a week-long guest star. Mm -hmm. And I won't say any more about what it was, but I went and I, it. And I got there, and those first couple of days, it was very much, uh, oh, this guy, whoever, what guesser. And then somebody asked me, well, how's the pandemic been for? How you been? I was like, you know, I actually was able to go off and get this movie made. Oh, what movie? I started talking. I was like, oh, Mark Rylance. Oh, Simon Russell Beale. Oh. And shot it in London. And, and I kind of, what, what, do you have a, oh, yeah, it's a focus features. And, and it was amazing to me to watch the cast of very well-established, successful actors who had sort of been civil to me, but didn't regard me at all, suddenly one of them came by my trailer and was like, hey, uh, we're gonna grab some lunch, you wanna come? And suddenly I thought, oh my God. 
because I wrote and executive produced a feature film, these people now want to be my, <laughs> like they want to know me. And I gotta say, that was weirdly intoxicating, right? I like the idea of being in a position where I have influence and I'm part of the conversation and all of that stuff is, is meaningful. And it was also illuminating that, oh right, it never stops. These incredibly well-established stars who have long, decades-long careers are now coming up to me and, and being like, oh, tell me more about your movie. I want to know. It never stops. I was at dinner two nights ago with friends who are both wildly successful. You would know them. And both of them are in a bit of a place right now because they're like, my friend's doing this film and I don't know why. I, I don't know. Why am I not? Why? I didn't even get a call about that film. And it, it never stops yeah. unless you stop it, right? And some of what this conversation feels like it's about a little bit is how do you take true agency and ownership over your own? Well, that, exactly. That's exactly it. Because if you're at the mercy of the industry and other people, and if you get on that, that treadmill of getting ahead and am I left out of the conversation? Am I not getting this thing? I mean, I know it feels that way, but, it, but what's the way to take agency? And what does that do? Because it translates. It, it's infectious. It's attractive. You know, whether you want people following you and inviting you to lunch or not, right. you know, what depends what you want out of that. But what is what feels good? And and I love the stories of how things come together and being in the flow of that and and one thing leading to the next. And that's what it's supposed to be, because there's no, you know, there's no getting a headway. There just there's no path to that. You know, I feel like every I mean, the, I could be. I mean, there's obviously there's a million different lives, there's a million different pathways, but I feel like everyone I know who is is living their dream mm. or living their truth, they have just they don't stop doing it, and it's not and it's not coming from I'm doing this you know to prove to the world. It's like it's a compulsion. It's like I I have to keep making something. I have to keep producing again and again and again because I want to get it right for myself and I, I want I, I, I'm craving this feeling I got to do it again and again and again and again and if you keep on doing something over and over and over again eventually I think people you're gonna not only you're gonna get better and people are gonna notice and I've just seen that a billion times at this point where just people don't stop they don't stop making something they don't stop doing their thing for its own sake. For its own sake, mm -hmm. because they mm -hmm. love doing it, because they have always have ideas. They always there's always something to say. There's always something to create. There's always something to do, whether it's big or small. They just don't stop, and I think that's a really wonderful way to live life when you're constantly creating. And I think it can be it can lead to fabulous things if you if you really just do it for the love of it. Well, it's going to lead, it's going to take you where you're supposed to go. Yeah. Whatever mm -hmm. that is. Yeah. Fabulous, yeah. not like rich in fame, but like right, right, a, to right. a, a yeah. fulfilled life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully a little rich in fame along the way. I mean, why not? Have a little fairy dust sprinkled <laughs> on you for it. So you go to the festival and you get the audience award because something came out of your, you know, out of your heart and your gut and you had to make it and it was just this thing. And yeah, you should, you know, get that acclaim for it. But if, even if you don't, it leads, hopefully, from one thing to the next. Yes. Thoughts, Ellen? <laughs> mm -mm. 
Everything ends, right? Yeah. Like everything will end at some point. Are, are we talking about death? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the finality of that is pretty conclusive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, right. but, uh, but every careers and journeys and yeah. health ends, yeah. eyesight fades, like these things happen. You know, parents die, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, 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 it happens. And this, I think, goes back to the point that I was making earlier, which is that I've always said that worrying about what's going to happen next is so, and it's not like I don't do it, but intellectually, it's so fucking stupid. Because if you're, wor if you have, worry is a luxury. If you have the space and time to be worried, nothing bad is happening to you in that moment. Because if something were, you'd be dealing with it. Mm. But yeah. so you are robbing yourself of the of the placid life that you could be enjoying in the And now. you're living in the future, exactly. you know, in in a way yeah. that's not really that's alive right. or present in any exactly. of that. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 things mm. things end, but they also change and shift if you allow for that. Mm -hmm. If you open yourself up for that. If you know and, yes. you, and, and also if you find collaborators and um support and other ways to express yourself and see what that's going to look like. What was your process? I know you went through many years on your seven film project in yeah. one. I mean, that was a lot of... That was a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that could have ended a thousand times. I mean, that also came out of the same... Uh, it was a necessary thing that I had to do, basically. My... Friend, I was at a barbecue. My friend Corey, well, we didn't, we weren't friends yet. This guy came up to me. We started talking about acting, and he's a director. And um, he found me like th through the internet somehow, like later that week. He sent me an email and was like, I'm really frustrated with my career. I really want to make something. Do you want to make something together? And we got together, and he was like, Maybe it would be a cost efficient thing for us to do a feature film made up of seven smaller films that kind of have a through line. And I think we could do it for really cheap with a really small crew. And um, it could just be something that we do to keep alive, basically. And we literally did it for so long, like four years. And uh, I think we started it when I was 25. I'm 31 now. And it's premiering at Cinequest in August <laughs> this year. And an epic journey. Epic journey. And... Um, you know, again, it just was like, I need to, it was my, it was how I learned how to produce, you know? And so I was like, I need to learn how to do this. I want to be more involved in the ground up. I, this is going to be my film school was kind of how I thought about it. I, um, you know, would work and then spend all that money on it. And then we would take three months to shoot another, you know, before we started another section of the film to save up money again and spend all my money on the next one. And, um, yeah, just had to do it like a compulsion, you know, just like, I love this so much. I have to figure out a way to act. I have to figure out a way to stay alive and be involved in this art form, you know? So very similar situation. <laughs> and, and now looking back at it, mm -hmm. would you do it again the same way? Would you like, what would no, you No, there's a million things I would change, but I would definitely do it again. Yeah. Okay. It kept, it kept me going. It bought me five years that I didn't quit acting. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it gave me a reel 
and yeah. got me to the next point, to the next point, to the next point, to the next and point. And you have seven characters. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But the idea was like, oh, I'm going to make my, if no one's going to give me a place to showcase myself, I'll make my own showcase yeah. for myself. Um, and you just look, uh, look, or you just have to look around at the people surrounding you and be like, who, who do I want to be on their journey with? I mean, that was what it was for Caroline. I met her in your class and I remember seeing, I remember the first time I saw Caroline just being like, that is such a cool girl. <laughs> I remember what she was wearing. She was wearing this like rose trench coat and I was just like, God, I just like wish I was somebody like her. And I just pursued her. I pursued being her friend for a very long time, but Caroline's very popular. She has a lot of friends. And so it was very hard to be her friend. And um, and then I was in Paris um, It was by a very myself. romantic story. Yeah, it's very romantic, actually. <laughs> I was in Paris by myself, um, having an emotional time, trying to figure out my life. And then uh, Caroline was going to London for a film festival, and she hit me up on Instagram, like, hi. Like, she DM'd me. She slid into my DMs. <laughs> And she DM'd me and she was like, I know you're in Paris and I'm in London if you want to come to London with me and go to this like film festival, you're totally welcome to. And I was like, oh, I'm spending so much money here being in Paris by myself and to give it up would be like a total derailment of my entire trip, but I really want to be friends with her, so I'm going to go. <laughs> I saw that from the beginning that Caroline... <clears throat> was a creative person like that I was inspired by and I wanted to be around and I knew that she was going to go places and I just like was like I'm going to hook my train to that you know cart hook my my horse to that cart or whatever Um, but oh I just swore can I swear on this I've been I I don't know how to communicate with I know I mean I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say something aloud that hasn't been said to anybody but me Caroline and Ellen and perhaps by saying it aloud I'll be willing it into reality uh I uh no I same yeah uh I recently sat down with Caroline and Ellen both and we are in the nascent stages of trying to do a project together yeah. because, you know, everything that they're saying, everything that Dom said, everything, you know, the, the community thing, I keep coming back to that, the community thing, find the people who are your people and hang on to them, do stuff with them and don't let them go because being an island fucking sucks. Yeah. And you don't have to be. No. I mean, I don't know if you have to pursue people, you know, across Europe necessarily but obviously that worked for you <laughs> to find a, your collaborator yeah, you know but that's ex- that's so great <laughs> I love that I mean that's why we built the studio was to to have that selfishly a place where people could find each other and, and make stuff and and act together and, and you know be in concert and in a safe and exciting and vital way because it's necessary especially well, I, I I used to always say, especially in LA, but but because but I feel like everywhere, especially now, you know, pandemic time, we where everybody got so fractured and isolated, you know, to be able to find that. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you, mm-hmm. Risa. I used to feel so small, you know, as, as just in quotations again, uh, just, just an actor, actor right, right, right. you know, mm-hmm. like you didn't have power and. You know, again, that that desperation. I remember. I've never brought this up to you, Risa. Uh oh. <laughs> gonna put Risa on the spot on the podcast. <laughs> I I remember. I came into audition for you before BGB uh, existed uh, on a show called The Cape, um, 
And I think I was just coming in to be like henchman number three. And I remember like really getting. <laughs> that would have been a good, that's a good show for you though. Um, <laughs> Superhero comedy. And it was, I think it was going to be Vinnie Jones's thug at a dockyard. And I came, and I remember coming in just, you know, from one of those places of desperation and being like, hi, should I do this in a British accent? What would Because I, I know I'm supposed to be Vinnie. And I was asking all these questions that now in hindsight I would just make a choice and go in the room and be like this is what you're going to get this is what I've prepared thank you so much for your time goodbye and then I go and I get on with the rest of my day and I start writing and I start storyboarding and I start doing other stuff but I probably left that room going oh, I probably shouldn't have asked her if I should have done it with a British accent or if it should have been a Cockney accent or if it should have been an American accent because it was still in America but it, my boss was British so I should have and I probably like sent myself oh my down a spiral for days after that and I remember coming to I remember the first time I came to BGB coming in very sheepishly just thinking oh I hope she doesn't remember that audition <laughs> I hope she doesn't remember that one audition I would have been able to pull that audition up oh yeah. boy yeah. Yeah. I think it was down at was it Sunset yeah Gower Sunset Gower yeah mm-hmm. uh, and I've just I was back there two weeks ago and I I know exactly where you go to the check-in desk off uh hmm off the side and down that long hallway and oh I remember it <laughs> it's but you know I felt I felt so small yeah. so small oh, yeah. back then yeah. that now I would never dream of letting an audition eat away at me anymore because filmmaking and writing and storyboarding and producing and, and collaborating keeps everything so full that yeah 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 and it gives you agency to walk into a room and say this I love that I mean that's what it should be for everyone this is what I would do if you hired me and give me some direction let's figure this out together but this is where I'm at mm-hmm. I hope it works if not that's fine you know and, and that's not arrogance it's just agency you know and speaking from the as working as a director now when I'm in auditions with actors and I'm, I'm assuming most people feel this way. You're thinking about a million things. You're not thinking, I, I'm stressed out about, you know, the production office emailing me while I have to do auditions. And, you know, you're, you're not, you're not judging, you're not judging people. You're, you want people to come in with their own point of view and say, I would do it like this. So I'm a I'm an option for the way this character is gonna go. You you want people to bring their ideas to the table and um, yeah. I think yeah. yeah. I from I, it's funny. Um, we actually never wound up hiring a casting director for our film. I know. Is well, it's very because there's only there's only eight speaking roles yeah. in the film and it's a yeah. contained thing and da, da, da. Yeah. Um, But you know the big agents, the big the, the big three got got hold of the script and started just unsolicited sending us auditions of I mean people who shouldn't have to audition you know and I was stunned watching hundreds of auditions from very well-known actors and seeing um, seeing who felt still needy and desperate and who just had their own thing and who whatever but what you were just saying was there was an illuminate there was a light bulb moment for me I was watching one that was fantastic didn't a didn't wind up casting them for a variety of reasons sure but the audition was fantastic and b thinking oh what's different about this one than some of the others that were less successful is 
this person is not asking for this job. They're not asking for anything. They are giving me something to work with. I have a problem. I need this role cast. They are looking to solve my problem, not asking for me to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And P.S., on a human level, it also projects a sense of, okay, this is someone that I'm not going to have to worry about once I get on set with them and take care of them. They're they're in control of their shit. And I I really want whoever's listening to this to really hear this because it's if you can buy into that and really trust that, it shifts the way you do self-tape or walk into a room if people are walking into rooms anymore. You come at it from a different place. You're in a whole other place now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and watching your journey, Dom, has been extraordinary in the last however many years, the last 10 years, you know, from that guy who was like, hey, let's do some sketches, which is great, mm-hmm. you know, but starting to find your voice. And as you find your voice as a writer and you find your voice as a filmmaker, you also find your voice as an actor and as a human being. As a human being. I, you know, saying I was small, I remember I was like, I would physically make myself smaller. And And you're not a small guy. Yeah, I'm (laughs) 6'5", 300 pounds. And, you know, we had, we had classes with, you know, doing Alexander technique and and walking around the room. And um, I remember feeling so liberated after those classes of like, yeah, why should I make myself small? And, um, yeah, just, uh, it's incredible to look back on. And I went through visa stuff and O one visas and studios wouldn't hire. And that facilitated making some of my own stuff and the sketch group that we were in. And then, um, I, uh, I did, Baby Geniuses 3, 4, and 5, because that's what the world asked for. But I took all the money that I made from that. That was before I was in the union, and it was it was pittance, you know, by comparison. But I took all my money from that and then found a studio in Woodland Hills and made a bunch of sketches, film sketches. We filmed 12 or 13 sketches in three days, and they were awful. <laughs> they were terrible. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about crossing the line. I didn't know anything about like hiring sound people. So I was like, "Yeah, my roommate can do the. My roommate can do the sound. He can hold a boom pole. And then all you can hear is his wedding band tapping oh the boom gosh, pole yes. all the way through. I didn't know about color correcting. I didn't know anything. And only one of them was moderately usable. But I learned so much. And then you know. I learned so much that, that helped me grow. And I think um, back to you saying, you know, and Caroline saying about being worried. Now, like, yeah, I'm not worried. I, I'm excited. But I feel like I'm going in wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and like, yeah, yeah, we can do this. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I feel much more mm-hmm. at peace with that and being able to fail and being okay with like you know what we did it and it worked or it didn't work yeah Hmm. so what's your advice to yourself 10 years ago or five years ago when it or seven years ago like what 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 would what do you want to tell that person i think i something that's happened to me really recently it's this feeling of be yourself. And if you're totally yourself and really truthful about who you are and what you want to say, and people will take it, either like it or they won't. And that's not, you know, 
if they don't like what I'm putting out there, what am I going to do about it? You know, so the, this feeling of walk into every room and everything you ever write, everything you ever create, just make it you, just authentically you. And most of the time, the, the people who will respond to it will love it because you're being yourself and there's only one of you in the world. So, and it feels amazing when you put yourself forward and people reward you for it. Mm. And, and then you're like, well, actually, I'm, this is the way I can navigate my life because if I'm always myself, then I never really have to feel bad for ever, anything because if someone doesn't, you know, if another person doesn't like what I'm putting out there, it doesn't have anything to do with me. It's, you know, it's just not a, a fit. And you just, I don't know. I feel so much better about myself being myself than trying to be someone I'm not. And then, you know, it not working out. You know, it, it's just a much clearer path. Mm. So be yourself, Caroline, 10 years ago. Mm. I love that. I love that too. I'm not going to top that. <laughs> yeah, be yourself. Okay. Good. Good. I'll take that. <laughs> Everything Caroline said. Like, I think the second part of that for me is um, <clears throat> I'm just, I've always just thought way too much about myself, like overthinking everything that I'm saying and doing and how I'm presenting myself and how I'm dressing and how I did this and how I did that. And um, recently, in the past like six months, I um, became, I've become very close with somebody that is what I would describe as extremely confident kind of like what Jonathan was talking about and his younger self. And I was like, what is it? How is she so confident? And it occurred to me that she's not, because as, because she's not thinking highly of herself, like, oh, she walks in the room, she's just so cool and she's so confident, like you were saying, Jonathan, but just that she's not thinking about herself. And it just hit me like, oh, I think a lot of confidence is just actually just not thinking about yourself so much. And just like being in the moment, being present, being yourself, not overanalyzing it, not thinking about it, going into the room, going out, just fail at this thing, write a script, stop thinking about if it's good or not. You're not, you know, it's not going to be Martin Scorsese right now. Just do the thing. Don't think about it. And I, and I think a lot of what has held me back and why I am a late bloomer is that I just am so terrified to do anything without it, without already being great at it. And, um, and just overthinking everything way too much. And so it's, that's the journey that I'm on right now is just kind of like, if I catch myself being like, Oh, but huh, just, we're just going to do the actions and not think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get great by doing it. And if it's not great, it's not, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not your failure as a human or as an artist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. What about you? Um, yeah. I mean, I would echo that about just being, about being yourself. I used to want to please people so much. Yeah. I used to want to, again, you know, going back to coming into the room and, just wanting someone to say yes and love me and now I just don't now I just and again going back to those sets that you go on where I used to feel like you have to read the room and the environment now I'm just I go in and if and if I'm pleasant and I'm having a good time then that's that's for me and if someone else isn't then that's it's their problem but I'm I'll try and make the best of it 
if I can. Um, yeah, I think I think that's where I'm at. Um, and asking questions, you know, I, I feel like whether it's an LA thing or an industry thing is th this idea of uh, fake it, fake it until you make it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm a big advocate for asking questions and if I don't know something, being like, wait, what's that thing that you just did with the camera and what does that mean when it's like this and when you tilt the, the how does that work and what does that do and why are you choosing this lens and and when you are making something with other people as Jonathan was saying not being an island and being like I know everything and this is how it's gonna be um, or I should know yeah, yeah. Or you should know um, I'm, I'm so open and comfortable now to asking questions and asking advice and trusting that other people um, are also good at their jobs and not micromanaging and and it being a real collaboration I think I think I went off topic no, but that's okay no, no. I don't care about it because that's my yeah. job that's where you went <laughs> that's where that's I went where that's where he landed yes fine yes yeah 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 and it all relates it all relates Mr. McLean yeah, you know, like a thousand things, too many to say here. I mean, it, it, I also, you know, I suffer from a variety of undiagnosed mental illnesses, so I don't know how much uh, <laughs> I'd be able to, to listen to myself. So I might actually pivot that and operate from the perspective of what 10 years, what the version of myself 10 years ago would say to me now. And what that would be is don't forget me. Don't forget that 10 years ago you wanted X, Y, and Z thing to happen. You were hoping for this, you were hoping for that. So that as you move forward and achieve any of those goals or objectives, grow in any way, have a maturation process, still be here, alive in the game, trying that those things are successes and to look down upon any achievements that you have managed to accomplish is to do disservice to the you 10 years ago who just wanted some of the things that you might have gotten now. Mm -hmm. Don't forget the journey and believe deeply that you have the capacity to give yourself, like Dom was saying, like we've all said, I think, looking for other people to validate, looking for other people to enforce, give that to yourself first. They tell you to put on your own oxygen mask before helping others for a reason because you can't do anything unless you are cared for. So be gentle with yourself is what, what 10 years ago I would tell me to remember today. And I wake up and do it every day and at any given minute it works and at any given other minute it doesn't, but you know, but you keep trying, you keep trying. Yeah, yeah cause you're on, the, you're on the road, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to share with? What would you tell yourself 10 years ago recently? From 10 years ago? Yeah. What would you, looking well, back? I would go back further, being oh. that I'm ancient. Um, and, you know, as you get to a certain point in your life, you start to look back because you realize there's so much more behind you. Um, just, I would say, trust. Uh, trust that, that if, you, if you are authentic to yourself and if you're doing the thing that you love and that you care about deeply, you know, and that you... Um, you keep coming back to the thing, like the, I think thematically I've been hearing this today as we've been talking, 
the thing that you must do, the thing that lights you up, the thing that excites you, the thing that you feel compelled to do, the stories that you feel like you have to tell, and really be in that creative place. Because for me, if I'm not in a creative place, like it, it's life is off. But so just to keep trusting that and that it will all find its way and the path that you're on will not be what you expect. It, but it will be what it's meant to be. And, and, and to trust in that journey and leave space for it to change and surprise you and not judge it and let go of all of those, all of that judgment and all of that expectation. And just and be true to yourself and, and your and your voice and and allow things to evolve. And and also to remember that the people around you who are because that's been my touchstone always, although a couple of them have died recently on me, just to keep realizing that those people um, are everything. So I love that you're finding that in each other. It's so important. It's so powerful. And you know, I'm I'm so I'm really touched that you're all here and hearing your stories, even though I know you, just hearing where you're at, you know, where your souls are at, where your art is at, is um, is so meaningful. And so thank you for doing that, sharing that with me, with each other, and with our audience. It's it's everything. So thank you, Farisa, for connecting all of us, mm -hmm. and we love you. Thank you, Risa. Yes, thank you, Risa. Thank you, guys. You're talented, you're driven, and you're willing to do what it takes to achieve the success you dream of, but like, what exactly should you do? Like, what are the specific actions that you must take in order to elevate your career to the next level? Well, BGB's Career Masterclass Series is the answer to, frankly, all of your industry questions. We are here to give you the totality of our decades of experience in the industry. All of the tips, advice, inspiration, and latest industry intel that we earn from real-world experience at every level of the business. And we're on the ground right now, assessing the changes so that we can offer you everything you need to succeed. Yeah, yeah, we're here to guide you step-by-step step through every aspect of the industry, showing you our tested, our proven method to grow your career and really take ownership of it. From getting an agent to your marketing materials to the kind of booking mindset that you need, self-tape strategies, how to get casting directors to find you, and so much more. BGB's career masterclasses are all you need to stay focused, informed, and inspired so you can have the acting career you deserve. We're offering amazing live online masterclasses regularly, plus live on-demand classes, all at affordable prices. We want you to have all the tools you need to take your career to the next level and enjoy doing it with confidence and authority. So go to our website, links shared in each podcast episode, show notes, or find the links in our Instagram bio. And join us for our next live BGB Career Masterclass or one of our live on demands. We'll see you there. We love sharing this content with our community. We offer it one... Come visit us online at thebgbstudio.com. If you're loving this podcast and are interested in offering something in return, go ahead and subscribe to The Acting Podcast. Then find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to podcasts and leave us an honest rating and review. Your words will help us bring this work to even more actors and artists around the world. Thank you so much for listening and for being here with us. We love how this community shows up for us and for each other online and in the studio.